The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate interconnectedness with Elise Brenner and Nancy Spatz, who have written the book, Reiki, a self-practice to live in peace with self and others. And as a Reiki master myself, I'm just thrilled with this because I think that Reiki is such a wonderful practice we can all do. So welcome, Elise and Nancy. It's so good to see you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I've been looking. Thank you. Thank you. I've really been looking forward to this. So, um, well, let's just dive in. So your book is all about self-practice. Why did you want to focus on self-practice? That's mine, right? (laughs) (laughs) Whoever wants to take it. We divvy these up. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, we did. Well, you know, you look at many, many, many uh, healing practices that we see around and they, many of them are practitioner directed. Right. And one of the beautiful things about Reiki practice is that it's both practice, uh, practitioner directed and self-directed. And the part that's so famous in the West is practitioner directed because it's a very kind of Western concept to direct and manage and accomplish something. But the original teachings in Japan from Sensei Usui really focused on the self, really focused on the self, the precepts, the meditations like Joshin Kokyu Ho. And by cultivating the self and elevating your own experience, 
that, may I use your word, Christy, radiates. And so you can be kind of being the message of Reiki when you're in line at the bank. Yes. When you're fearful of uh, COVID, when you are, yeah, so it's not just the outwardly directed doing, right? Mm -hmm. And the self-directed part, the self-practice is egalitarian. Mm -hmm. It's health and wellness equity. It's for everybody, not just those that can afford a practitioner. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, is it what I'd like to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also I think, what Elise just said at the you know, very end about that. So it's egalitarian. So everyone can do it and, you know, feel well. And um, it reaches all different types of populations and people. And, and it, it, so everyone has an opportunity to learn self-care. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, you know what? I would like to back up just a little bit in case we need to do this. I'd like to just go over what Reiki is in case there's anybody who maybe has heard of it, but doesn't really know what the practice is about. Uh, Reiki is a healing and meditation practice for self to care for self and others to promote resilience and mindfulness well-being and a sense of participation consciousness with all beings a sense that there's really no separation right the right. word reiki literally means sacred energy so in usui's time it would have been translated as sacred energy Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. From the from the words ray and ki, of course, mm-hmm. ki being this life force energy that in Chinese is known as qi. So, um, right. And there's just this proliferate. I don't know about Massachusetts, but man, in Kansas City, in the Midwest, there's this proliferation of people who are trained and certified in Reiki. And um, even just with Reiki 1, which some people choose to stop there or Reiki 2 without going on to the master, but that's okay because Reiki 1, you can practice Reiki with yourself and share it with yourself. Right. Reiki 1 is a complete healing and meditation system. You're going to learn the precepts, Joshin Kokyuho, you know, the essential uh, Reiki, uh, Japanese Reiki meditations. Now, in your book, um, you make an analogy that the Reiki practice or a Reiki practice is like a palm tree. Can you explain to listeners how that is? How is Reiki like a palm tree? Sure. So um, in Reiki practice, we use her breathing and her breathing is a practice where you steady the mind and the body by taking a a refreshing breath in and a longer breath out. And when you do that, you bring about the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the calming part of the nervous system. So relax, decrease inflammation. 
Um, and this gets back to the analogy because when you look at a palm tree in a storm and you see the wind blowing and you see the top of the palm tree and all the fronds blowing and everything is sort of chaotic and messy. But when you look down um, at the base of the tree, uh, it's steady and rooted. And so with Reiki practice, like the hard breathing that I just described, you can be like a palm tree in a storm, rooted and grounded. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, palm trees are meant to be flexible so that they can stand up to that level of wind. Now, we, in full disclosure, when we started this interview, we actually started like 20, 25 minutes late because I was I was subbing. I'm a substitute teacher as well as all the other things I do. This was second graders all day, and I knew I would be getting out of there late and uh, came skidding in, and Elise said, you know what? <laughs> You know what we should do? Let's practice some breathing. I said, heck yeah, let's practice some breathing. And I tell you that really just helped center and calm my body. So yeah, this HANA breathing really does tame the vagus nerve, allows the body to shift its nervous system over to rest and digest. Yeah, it's all uh, all good. So a palm tree, I can see that. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Now, but you also compare a Reiki practice to a snow globe. I, I think I understand why the snow globe, but can you? Oh, look at you. You've got a snow globe. Uh, so Christy and uh, Nancy knows this. When I do Reiki outreach and places to teach these skills that are in the book, you know, I bring it with me. And I say, hey, you know, when I shake this up, I really can't see the scene very clearly. Mm -hmm. But when the snow particles settle and settle and settle down and all the way down to the bottom, I can see the scene clearly. So now the analogy, if we can imagine that our minds are like the globe Mm -hmm. and the snow particles are like our thoughts... Reiki practice is really about settling the snow particles of the mind or a lovely way that I've heard it is untangling the knots, K-N-O-T-S, untangling the knots of the mind. And this uh, relates to the Japanese Reiki practice of Joshin Kokyuho. In Joshin Kokyuho, you unify or harmonize the mind and the body through the breath. So on the in-breath that goes down through the body, you settle the thoughts down and down into the hara space, H-A-R-A. And the hara space is the deep belly. The lower belly, just like three finger widths below the navel. It's a conceptual space. And then both mind and body and breath are unified. And then on that out breath, that refreshed, settled self. Mm-hmm. So untangling the knots of the mind and then sharing that with others. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it really does feel like that. I mean, when we do practice this 
deep breathing, you just generally feel the whole body just settle like the glitter in a snow globe. Yeah, it's lovely. And this is something you can do anywhere. In the waiting room, in an elevator, before a meeting, nobody has to know we're doing it. And it's a practice that we don't even have to have Reiki certification or training. We can all do this. And I think it's a wonderful technique. Now, in the same vein, you also compare Reiki precepts to a compass. Now, how does that work? You, I love analogies. I have to say I'm a very visual person, and uh, I love your analogies. So, yeah, so um, as a compass gives direction, the Reiki precepts can give you a direction. And um, I'm not sure I can go over what the Reiki precepts are, um, if that would be helpful, the... Reiki precepts are, uh, they're five, and it's for just for today. Um, do not live in anger. Do not live in worry. Be grateful. Um, be true to your way in being. Mean, be honest with yourself so you can be honest with others. And the fifth one is be compassionate to yourself and then compassionate to others. So we follow these principles that give us direction, like the compass gives us direction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay, right, Nancy, that we miss the mark and we are, our steering is not always right in the direction we want to go. Like multiple times a day, we're going to have our learning lessons where we, um, we are aware that anger is arising within us, or we're aware that worry is arising in us, and we don't pause and notice, and we are just not with mindful awareness at that moment. And then we may blurt out unskillful, unkind words. So this is going to happen. And then we learn from that because our everyday life is our practice. It's not just sitting there on your meditation cushion. It's when you're in the thick of it, often with the people you're closest to, that you fall into your habitual reactive conditionings and you do not embody, oh, we, we do not embody the precepts. So we are always having to start again. And then we start again. And 20 years later, we're still starting again. And that's what it is to be human and to have the tendency to, you know, protect ourselves with our anger, worry, and fear. And we protect ourselves because we love ourselves. And it's just that it backfires. <laughs> and that's okay. It's the putting the human in the human experience. Yes. <laughs> and in the book, we actually, you know, have a chapter on the precepts and we have a way we, we give examples as to how to think about them. And, you know, the thing also about the book that's really, that we really like is that, 
um, depending on what you're feeling that day, you can just like look at what, you know, one of the precepts, look at a different, whatever, whatever you're feeling. Like if you're feeling worry that day, you can go to the section on the book that's just about worry and be able to think about it um, and how you could help yourself feel less stressed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me very much of the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we always would notice this, um, that uh, all the systems, teachings and practices of wisdom and compassion, like, like we talk about here, they're all the same. Yeah. People say it's different paths up the mountain and some people like this path and some like that path. And I always say, stick to that path and go deep, go all the way. Don't get sidetracked too much, especially in a commodified wellness culture that we have here today in the U.S. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, in your book, you have some some stories, some examples of people who have overcome some challenges. And I would love for our audience to hear about some of that and how Reiki and having a Reiki practice for themselves can help. Yeah. So I'll do one and then Nancy will do one. Yeah. Yeah. I always like um, this common experience pretty much, I would think, and it's an everyday life, a very intense moment, like in a medical or a hospital waiting room where you may be waiting for test results. You're right. And here's a situation where let's say everyone is in a room, in a waiting room, waiting for results. They're all in a waiting room, waiting for results. And people look like they're leafing through a magazine. They're on their phone. They look like, wow, everyone here is they're managing this. Okay. They all look like they're fine. Why am I like spiraling out with my thoughts? Well, we all are spiraling out in our thoughts. Mm-hmm. This might be a time to gather yourself in, like all of your falling apartness, kind of pull and gather those pieces together into wholeness, which is healing, by practicing the hara breathing, right? That lengthened out breath. And sure, place the hands on yourself. No one cares. I do it all the time. And... It's, it's not going to be perfect, but it's an in the moment, just down regulating the, the physical and emotional hyper arousal that's being embodied. Of course, it's being embodied. It's natural. Uh, but yet there's a skill to work with our own selves. And when we do that, we're just healing a bit there so that we're not causing like damage to our and all the systems of our body by those hormones and neurotransmitters just shooting through us, you know, and one little moment like that, or just a few little moments like that in a waiting room, even if it's an hour, that's a very small amount of time. The practice becomes cumulative So like over time, you actually get more 
skillful at this and you can move into that space of down regulation maybe a little bit quicker and then maybe fall apart a little bit less and kind of realize what you may need. Right. So that's one anecdote. Right. And I, you know, what I love about Reiki is really hard to screw it up. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. eh, Nancy. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's literally all good. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a co-worker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now... Back to our podcast and back to our guest. I like the fact that we use anecdote in, in our book because it really yes. helps um, with real life situations. And um, like we talked about, life isn't always just so smooth. It has ups and downs. And when we give these anecdotes, we're hoping that people can, you know, think about similar situations that they could be in or help them. So, um, one of our chapters in the book um, is cause, called the intentional response or the mindful pause. And um, there's so many anecdotes I like, but let's see. Um, one of the anecdotes we use is about um, feeling helpless, um, where a situation where... Um, there's a patient that has a very difficult um, illness and a relative or friend, whoever, goes to visit and they feel completely helpless because they think they're not doing anything. And, you know, we are in those situations a lot where we feel like we can't do anything. So how, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's very tough. You feel helpless and hopeless. Right. And so in the chapter, we talk about the intentional pause and how to do that. And um, when you do take an intentional pause, you can then realize that, 
you are really doing something, even if you think you're not. Um, and the example with the patient um, that was that someone was visiting was that the patient was actually just appreciative that the person was just there and they didn't have to do anything mm-hmm. and except be there because of the interconnection. And um, I just, we both find that's very useful in day-to-day situations, how to learn, how to pause. And usually we'll, we can tie this back to the hard breath that if you're, in a moment where you're very stressed out and you don't know what to do, when you take that higher breath and you downregulate or, you know, start the parasympathetic nervous system going and calm the body, and um, you, by nature, will then pause. And so you can add that into your practice, and we go over that with some of these anecdotes. Yeah. Sometimes we just overthink things and sometimes we want to be all about action when being in inaction is exactly what's needed. Oh, you said it, you know, in this example, I think the the person um, was all about, well, I got to do something to fix things. And that was the, the, the lesson for that person was just that. The mind makes things so complicated. But what was needed was really, you know, I say this in a loving way, not a disparaging way, kind of actually an honoring way, a more childlike simplicity mm-hmm. of just be there, as Nancy uh, said, yes. And that was really a a really uh, wise comment, Christy. Thank you. I just wanted to underline that. (laughs) I underline me whenever you like me. (laughs) Because I do think we make things too complicated. Um, We want to do, do, do rather than um, just know that perhaps our, our strength could be in the pause or be in the silence and the stillness, Mm -hmm. a huge proponent of that. Um, speaking of silence and stillness, um, your, the title of your book includes live in peace with self and others. These days that seems impossible. What would you say to that? So I'd like to uh, tie this into also chapter 10 on Reiki practice and social justice. So I'm going to do a double. Yes. Uh, and I think that, that the, the pause example that you gave, Nancy, is actually a great segue because when we pause, we are going underneath layers of conditionings. We are, we are going underneath layers of reactive habits and discovering what's already there. In what's already there is humans are in connection. Humans are in community. 
humans are social beings. And um, Sensei Usui, who founded the system, who developed the system of Reiki in the late, eight, uh, really early 1900s um, in Japan, based on Buddhist and Shinto and Taoist teachings. He had a three-year meditation retreat, followed by a three-week meditation retreat where he really was looking to die so that he could be uh, hurry up and be reincarnated to achieve enlightenment on Shinritsune. But he didn't die. He achieved a kind of or experienced a kind of enlightenment. And when he came down that mountain, he said, the universe is in me and I am in the universe. Mm-hmm. Which means there's no difference between I and you. There's no different, there's no othering. It's one participation consciousness. And so when we embody the precepts, thank you, Nancy, for going over them, we experience this, what's called like a non-dual consciousness. We understand more, it's cognitive, yes, but also we directly experience this field that we share in which case if i'm living in peace with myself mm-hmm. then i'm living in peace with others you know because that's what's already there now that brings up social justice because even though um i'm a white lady and i don't have the experience of BIPOC of people, uh, you know, um, Black, Indigenous, or other people of color. I don't have that experience, that direct experience. Because of a sense of interbeing, I can't help but put myself out into that field at the least as an ally, possibly even better as what's called now an accomplice. If somebody wearing black skin puts themselves at risk every day in this country just by being alive, then the least I can do is put myself at risk by saying words in as much support as I can and making myself present in what protest rallies, if that's one's thing, you know? So to me, there is no difference between a Reiki practice and repairing the world. There is no difference, nor should there be a difference. And it's our responsibility. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. 
Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Love that. I feel so strongly about social justice, and it really does begin with each individual. There's that song, um, Let There Be Peace on Earth and Let It Begin With Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when we have, do we have peace within, then we experience peace without as well. Right. Yeah, we minimize that whatever that we're seeing now, the hatefulness that has become unleashed in this country, the hatefulness unleashed. It really has. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, wow. very, it's very disturbing. It is. I kind of think of it sometimes as the pendulum swinging so far that it needs to settle like the snow globe. Right? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So so self-practice with Reiki can really help facilitate that peace within that piece without. So if I wanted to start a self-Reiki practice, how do I start? How do I begin? What do I need to do to establish that? Well, actually, this is one of my favorite chapters in the book, but we actually go over how to do that. Um, Because personally, having, you know, learned about Reiki and there's so many different options that sometimes you read all about it and then you're like okay now what (laughs) you know so we we actually break it down to um for if you want to do a practice every day we give certain guidelines like you know set a timer for 15 minutes use the different practices whichever practice you like that we offer in the book and make sure that you take that time for yourself because that's compassionate to yourself and to others. Um, and then we also um, go over how to use the tools in the moment, like we talked about earlier. So we give different options, but we really do break it down so people will kind of have a direction, <laughs> have a compass, yeah. sort of. Um, be able to just feel better about themselves, calm their mind and, you know, strengthen their body and, and then be able to feel good about yourself. And like we just said, and others. And others. Um, So one of the techniques, one of the tools that you talked about was this, this Hana breath, this deep belly breath and the slow exhale It's the slow exhale. I feel is the magic sauce Mm -hmm. that really calms the vagus nerve and shifts our, our 
nervous system over. Are there any other practices that you talk about in the book that you'd like to share now? Um, I mean, I, I would like to uh, suggest that we I kind of talked about Joshin Kokyuho with the unifying the breath. Um, we talked about the precepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy, how do you feel about um, either hands-on healing or three diamonds of key? Yeah, I was I was thinking of hands-on healing because I think it's something that people can, you know, use. Uh, um, right away <laughs> yeah and it makes it, it, it it's, kind of, imbo- it's a very embodied practice right. and right. there's a lot of science on that and i know christy you seem to be really familiar with the science and so i mean it's it's related to um the what herbert benson calls the relaxation response so you know reiki practice can be actually classified as an rr a relaxation response practice or therapy or whatever word you like to use and because you mentioned the vagus nerve let's start with that so let's take um a, a a person who is, you know, has a lot of um, emotional, physical and emotional reactivity and a hyper arousal, that child, or I mean, that individual may be given one of these weighted blankets, a weighted blanket, and they put it on their torso, you know, they, they lie it on top of them. And the reason behind that is a physiological response related to the pressure stimulates the vagus nerve, you brought it up, and that is what's gonna stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, that branch of the nervous system. So when we do hands-on healing with self or others, and we're placing the hands with that gentle pressure on the body, we are stimulating the vagus nerve, but not only that. The, there are certain nerves, see tactile nerves, they're everywhere on the body. Well, not everywhere, they're only where the hairy skin is. So it's not on the palms, the lips, or the soles of the feet. And when these, when the, they are telling the body to go into a kind of an equilibrium. So the touch on the body is working with these receptors in the skin, these nerve endings in the skin, CT afferents as they're called. So we have the relaxation response, we have the vagus nerve, we have the CT afferents, we have the parasympathetic nervous system with hands-on healing. We also know that our brain waves shift and with other practices too, don't get me wrong, shift from, well, I hope we are all in beta brain waves now, fully engaged, you and your listeners and us, 
in Reiki practice, especially hands-on healing with all the goodness it's doing uh, physiologically, shifts the brain waves to alpha brain waves, and even you will uh, definitely uh, theta brain waves. And this is a deep meditative state where really overall mind, body, emotional, and spiritual healing can happen. So I um, think that if we want Reiki practice to be in the mainstream, we should do, you know, what mindfulness, because I'm also a mindfulness teacher, what mindfulness has done to move into the mainstream, which is evidence-based practice. Talk the language that is understood in mainstream science and medical world. We're in the corporate world as well. Many large companies. And in fact, I before COVID, I was the meditation instructor and Reiki master at Hallmark Cards International. Fun. It was, it really was. And TVH North American headquarters as well. So even the corporate and uh, Google has Search Inside Yourself, which is a program that was very well known. Apple has similar programs. Uh, Garmin, Ford, um, all encourage mindfulness um, in their employees. So this is really becoming more mainstream. And I do feel like Reiki is gaining ground, much like chiropractic used to be completely alternative, but now it's covered by most health insurance programs, right? Right. And seeing is uh, more, and you two are more mainstream in um, your backgrounds. So Nancy, you're an MD and Elise, you are an associate professor in the Department of Public Health at Simmons University in Boston. So you both, uh, where, how did you even come to Reiki um, from those backgrounds? So um, going through my residency and medical school and um I always wanted to um I was always thinking about preventative medicine or something that could be an adjunct to medicine or something that people could you know before getting ill or while they're ill or after they're ill have some tools that they could use. And I um, also studied psychology and was interested in, you know, doing meditation tapes back, I won't say how many years back, <laughs> but many years ago. What happened was um, I stumbled upon Reiki um, because a friend of mine was going through some medical issues and she said, Oh, I'm going to see a Reiki practitioner. And I was like, Oh, this was years ago. But, um, so then I started really seeing, I learned about it and I went through many different trainings. Um, and then I met Elise and I was like, Yes, this is exactly <laughs> this is exactly the kind of Reiki that I'm interested in, and so from there, you know, it just has been just a very um, very grateful for Reiki because I feel that it really 
you know, helps people heal. And when we say heal, we mean um, feel whole. So um, while it may not be curative um, for certain things, you can still feel whole and healed. And um, so that's what we're trying to, you know, help people by this book, which is, you know, anyone can use it and learn the tools and learn to feel whole um, or healed um, despite the many ups and downs of life. Oh, absolutely. And when we are in stress, you know, that creates inflammation within the body. It adds to most, if not all, illness and disease. But when we can calm that stress response, then that is, it might not be curative, but it allows the body to heal, which right. it um, was meant to do. And so, Elise, how did you come to Reiki? Yeah, I, I, let me just, I'm underlining you for a minute, Christy. And what you underline me all day long, Elise. Spotlight on Christy, um, where the, the way I like to envision this, and I, it's been helping people when I say we're setting up an inner terrain, like land, soil, terrain in our body and mind. Right. So that when the awful things happen, the unbeautiful things of life, the hurting, suffering and pain and uncertainty of life, we have set up this terrain within ourselves for now to underline spotlight on Nancy for wholeness, because the opposite of wholeness is being shattered, being broken, falling apart. I'm falling into pieces. I feel like after that experience, a little piece of me is missing in shamanism. It's soul loss, right? Uh, uh, something is gone. So intactness is, you know, wholeness is putting it all back together. We're really landing here fully intact, gathering all the pieces that we left around, right? Like even today when you came in, Christy, uh, you had that, you know, delay and probably pieces of you were on your commute and yeah. with the people you were with and to gather it all in. So, and as a practiced practitioner, you yourself, you can do it a lot quicker after many years of practice too. You, you can find that, that place within yourself a little bit quicker. Um, anyway, so spotlight now, uh, I will, uh, you asked like how we came, how I came to Reiki practice. Well, right. yeah. Um, I'm the last person probably on the face of the earth that anyone would expect to be involved in Reiki practice, um, which is why the traditional Japanese teachings, which are so earth bound and down to earth, appeal to me. And so much um, very public healthy and, or as Nancy would say, population-wide prevention. You know, you talked about prevention. And I'm also, my PhD is in anthropology. And I've been informed, of course, by a lot of cross-cultural healing practices that see, you know, no distinction between you and me, between you, me, and the waterfall, 
where there's this consciousness, this non-dual consciousness, and that um, all healing is tied up with one's spirit self, one's soul self, one's sacred, the sacred element of self. Uh, So it wasn't a big stretch, really. I just was concerned about appropriation of other cultures' um, practices. But an experience led me to um, kind of be given permission to honor and utilize, utilize and honor other people's systems, like something from Japan or something from here or there. So with that permission, And another kind of opening that happened in my life, wow, is it 22 years ago? About 22 years ago, um, I just, and then following that, just a series of coincidences with Reiki, right? Coincidences, Reiki, all of a sudden, never even heard of it. Um, And then I said, yes, like Nancy talked about saying yes to that and brought me here. And so it's been a long time that I've been practicing. Well, it would have been nice if I had started at 18 or 16, I would have staved off years of uh, suffering, but uh, nonetheless, I guess that had to happen. There are no coincidences. I would like to do that. Right? I know, right? Coincidence. Oh, this is a podcast. It's in quotation marks. Air quotes. (laughs) Air quotes. Thank you. You're so with it, Christy. (laughs) I was just thinking as you were speaking that we were following the fourth precept. We were being true to our way of being because we had a really sort of a, a purpose to to help heal. Um, and, um, yeah, so, so we kind of, when we met and realized we had the same purpose, um, that's what then generated the book. And let's also tell them, Nancy, that one of our common purposes turned out to be our fathers who had, you know, died, you know, fairly much longer ago, um, were both people of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we discovered together. And the book is definitely birthed through them and we dedicate the book to them mm-hmm. and that was that was just like like air quotes uh strange coincidence right so while they were definitely not we followed all the reiki precepts and fortunately both elise and i were you know had that experience with them. So we were definitely um, similar um, feelings, heartfelt feelings. Yeah, because they were part of us. Yeah, getting the word out. Um, And so, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to kind of circle around now. Before we even started recording, we were talking about the current climate of COVID. We were talking about um, the climates of fear, of worry, of grief, even. Um, and I would, I would add even grief as to the way we were living beforehand. And we don't, you know, we're having to make so many changes. And um, even kids in school and what they're going through and how they're adjusting. Um, how can a Reiki practice, or are there any Reiki practices that you would like to recommend that will empower us to, you know, lose the fear, lose the concern, and just and just live? Yes. Before we go into a practice, I'll mm-hmm. preface because maybe Nancy wants to take it. We don't lose fear. We don't want to shoo it away and we don't shoot, shoot. No, we don't want to deny it. Um, it's actually not about, we, we agree, Nancy and I agree that it's not about losing the fear. It's about how we will choose to relate to the fear. Thank you. We will choose to relate to the uncertainty. And in order to do that, we have to be very familiar with ourselves. Um, so it's just a language, a, a subtle language thing. But uh, uh, Nancy, you'll take it from there, maybe. No, a- absolutely. Um, but also to add, you know, I, I think that you're absolutely right, Christy, that there's been a lot of time um, that normal, uh, normal, but just development for kids that's just been so hard. And so we, there are certain exercises or tools that kids can do to decrease their anxiety. So while the fear will still be present because it's just a, fearful time in the world, if we can help the children, teachers, you know, decrease their anxiety by the hard breathing, by the hands-on healing, um, that would be very helpful, I think, to help people get through um, day to day. Um, And actually in our book, we have a, a a chapter, a section on children and different ways to help them. Um, and so it's sort of like a simplified version of the hands-on healing or, you know, something that they can do in the moment. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's getting back to the practices and the skills and, you know, if there's, if we can, even for a moment, decrease a child's anxiety, um, then I think it's very important. Right. Um, and to underline, um, so Nancy mentioned that we do have a chapter where we talk about different 
populations and how to make Reiki practice more close, more close for them. Um, and so, yes, children, adolescents, and in that piece, in that piece of the chapter, the children and adolescents pieces, one of the things we would love to see is this done in a group setting. Yeah. So this would mean school counselors, school teachers. Um, we, would, we would love to train school counselors and school teachers, and then they spread this. And for really little kids, there's some really fun ways to learn how our breathing. We'll let people read the book. <laughs> we'll let people read the book on that. Um, we talk about, because I've done uh, outreach in uh, places, uh, settings where elderly people are living. Yeah. Um, so elders, um, you know, yes, certainly alone in their own time, but to bring this into a communal collective space is also super important. People who are suffering from chronic health conditions, whether it might be migraine, chronic pain, brain aneurysm, they don't know how to, what to do. Should I go for the surgery? Should I wait? What will, you know, there's so much I've done, you know, outreach with survivors of intimate partner violence. I mean, there's no end to suffering and um, the simpler of the practices, like Nancy was saying with the children, Hara breathing with hands-on healing, the more likely one, one of people the are to persist. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Kids, sorry. Yeah, no, go, go, go. No, just like um, we, you, you mentioned, Christy, how the lengthened out breath seems to help calm things down. Mm. So, like, one of the things we mention is, like, if you're teaching a child how to breathe and you... Um, to have the hard breath so you can have the longer out breath, you know, pretend that they're blowing out candles on a birthday cake, mm -hmm. like things that can make it for children fun. So it doesn't feel like, you know, oh, another thing that I have to do, but just a way to calm the body by bringing about the nervous, the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. So, I love that. Yeah. It's, and it's empowering just as you had talked about the um, anecdote of someone who was like worried and stressed about their friend and um, just feel empowered to do something that, you know, children administrate. I mean, anyone in the community community can feel empowered to, to do that. So we've only just got a few minutes left um, in this uh, session. And where can we find your book, Reiki, a self-practice to live in peace with self and others? I can start with that. Um, you can pre-order it right now on Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. You can order it on IndieBound.com, yeah. Barnes and Nobles. And we are hoping that it will be in your local bookseller shortly. The official publication date is, drumroll please, January 28th. 
Yes. Now, this episode will likely be out after that. So it will be. Okay. It will be out and you can find it wherever fine books are sold, as they say. Um, (laughs) Amazon as well as Barnes and Noble. But I really like indie books because it supports independent booksellers. To me, that's very important. So Elise and Nancy, thank you so much for joining me today. This has really been wonderful. I appreciate you both. We're honored to be in this space with you and your listeners and much love and connection to everybody. Right. And, yeah. and thank you and, and wellness to everyone. Yeah, I love that. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa one to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.